few weeks ago, MLC's Tanya August Hansen and Bill Henderson gave Agenda a robust defence of the role and workload of LegCo members. This incensed Positive Action Group founder Roger Tomlinson, so I've invited him to give his perspective on the Legislative Council in Tinwald. He starts by rapping my knuckles. I was steaming at the fact that you seem to give them a free reign for a whole 25 minutes. Uh, and basically what they were going on about was how they work very hard and what was om- omitted from anything they said was anything to do about democracy. And to my mind, LegCo is not a de- democratically elected body and that irks me in something that we are all very proud of, our own parliament, Tinmort. In terms of leg- Legislative Council then, I mean, are you of a view that Legislative Council has a useful uh, function and purpose? Um, I think I am generally, but not the way they're elected. They should be elected by the people. If they're in our Parliament, they're helping to make laws, they should be of the people, and I don't think they are. It's a closed club, because it's just the... MHKs, which is elect, elects them, and all they've got to get effectively is 13 votes, whereas an ordinary elected MHK has got to have thousands of votes, and that just doesn't seem right to me. So, so then, obviously, we had a, a recent election to the Legislative Council. Uh, there were lots of candidates came forward. Uh, were you impressed with the the, the candidates? Do do you think that the candidates have merit? Or is it uh, you know, your, your concern is is not so much about the merit of the candidates, but more that they really need to face uh, the, the the public? Well, I was quite satisfied that the candidate that eventually was chosen was the one that I earmarked. On I think I attended a a program that you presented on the hustings for the election to the Legislative Council. Was that uh, two years ago now? No, no, gosh, no, it was only, only this oh, of year. Of course, it was February yeah, this yeah, year when yeah. Dawn Kinnish was, uh, yeah. was elected. No, just to get back to the original thing about the workload of the yes. Legislative Council, if you don't mind, Phil, um, just after the programme was went on air, I decided to look up some notes I'd taken back in 2017 when David Cretney, MLC then, he'd been in as an MHK for 30 years by then, and then he went on to the Legislative Council. Um, he said, whilst I've, I've been a member of the Legislative Council, my workload is not anywhere near what it was when I was a minister or a constituency member. Now that seems to contradict totally what uh, Bill Henderson and Tanya August Hansen were saying. And yet you can find yourself things to do can't you you can be very very busy uh, i suppose the the the, the, the big question and, and it, it was a question that i certainly tried to ask them maybe it wasn't as, as explicit as it needed to be was uh, is being very busy the same as being useful and productive uh, that's interesting I, I remember when i was working many many years ago we had a new managing director and he used to measure the workload or your output by how long you stayed after five o'clock. Now, to my mind, it's the quality of the work that is important, not the, the amount of time that you put in. And um, 
I think both the MLCs you interviewed were saying we put in an awful lot of time here and they went on to try and justify it. Um, they gave a lot about the background and then they went on to the departmental works. Now that strikes me as being totally undemocratic. I understand we talked about, we mentioned Dawn Kinnish. She walked straight into a depart departmental role with the Department of Infrastructure. Now that does not seem to be part of our democracy and I just feel that that needs some improvement as far as the structure of our Parliament is concerned. And I suppose this is an interesting uh, question, certainly for me, having been both a department member and a minister uh, in, in, in previous uh, Tinwalds. Um, what, what do you see as, an, as a seasoned Tinwald watcher? What do you see the role of departmental membership? What, what, what's the purpose of that? Well, I'm, I might be a watcher, but I've never been involved in any government department or anything like it. Um, but, but what would you think that the role should be? Um, or, or have you never really considered it? Well, if you're a departmental member, you will be learning about the workings of that department and eventually you will contribute to how that department works. Uh, I've known, uh, no idea how these things go on within behind the doors in... Uh, in, in Parliament, but um, or in government, I should say, um, but I, I just don't know, quite honestly. Mm. Really. And and you know, certainly from my understanding, and uh, certainly this is what I asked for of department members. You know, their, their role is there effectively to represent the public. Uh, they are there to ask the the obvious questions that the public would be wanting answers to. Um, and in, and that is a good thing for departments because they get to, hopefully anyway, they get to, to have the questions asked before it's splashed across the front page of the Examiner or headline news on Manx Radio. They, they get to know the sorts of questions that people will, will most likely to be wanting to ask about certain policies and, and ideas. Um, so so that's, that's how I understood it to work. There is a danger in that by being a departmental member because when the public elects an MHK to represent the constituency, if immediately an MHK, and I know we're going off MLCs, if an MHK then takes up a departmental role, he might be have more loyalty to that department than to the constituency. I'd like to think that it's not the case, but I'm afraid that I'm experiencing that sort of evidence with my own member that was elected in 2021. Building on, on the points that I was making and, and so, so, some of the ones that you're making as well, um, I suppose if, if the departmental member is there to represent the, the, the public view, to, to be able to ask the sorts of questions the public might want answers to, uh, it goes back to your original point about uh, uh, members of the Legislative Council uh, they effectively represent members of the House of Keys views because they have that those are the only people they have been out uh, uh, to to actually canvass. Uh, so so they can't represent the public view in quite that same way. So then it well, does well, make the question. I think that's what um, certainly Bill Henderson was saying is that they do meet the public, they do have 
communication with members of the public from all over the island, but how much can that be more than an MHK? I would suggest it's a lot less, and I'm going to give you some figures in a second about how you can support that. Well, now is as good a a time as any. Strike while the iron's hot. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I said that I was interested in this in 2017, so I try to do a little bit of rudimentary, and I I do stress rudimentary research, because in April 2018... I circulated a message on behalf of PAG um, to to members of the House of Keys. And the question was, in your role as an MHK, what percentage of your working time do you estimate, on average, is spent on constituency matters? Now, out of the 24 MHKs, three did not respond at all, and three did not answer the question. So that I was left with 18 that did actually answer. And in the 18, there was a wide variance of what the constituency time was. And that varied between 5% and 50%. I discounted those top and bottom figures and arrived at an average of 25% of their time is actually done devoted to constituency matters. Now remember, getting back to the MLCs, they have no constituency. Yet Bill Henderson in your programme was trying to say, yes, well they do. It's an all-island constituency. I just fail to see the, the, the actual volume of work that can be ascribed to that. And of course the, uh, the, the oath that they swear is to, uh, or part of the oath is is to uh, represent the views of the people of the Isle of Man. So all all Tinwell members swear that 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 oath. So so there is an argument that uh, effectively Ledgeco members have a, the constituency of the whole of the Isle of Man, which potentially means it's uh, a, a lot bigger than the than than the, the the Keys members. But then again, I suppose the, you know the what's interesting for me is how people define constituency work and departmental work or government work uh, tenmold work uh, because of course uh, that can um, as a minister uh, you can be in a department some departments have very clear and direct uh, impacts on on the public others have uh, perhaps less so so for example DEFA um, certainly when it was DAF agriculture fisheries and and forestry uh, there, there were some uh, constituents of mine that uh, I would be representing doing the departmental work, but, but not too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in DOI, you were representing practically every constituent because every constituent required uh, use of the infrastructure. So, so yeah, it, in, interesting as to how those sorts of definitions could be reached. Yes. J- just to continue with this rudimentary research that I conducted... Every every MHK that uh, replied said, it's a simple question, but it's very hard to answer. And um, I get they, each 18 of them gave a percentage of their time, mm. as I said. The average was 25%. But one MHK, who is no longer in post, 
gave me a very interesting answer, which I thought. Um, if I can just read it, I have tried to accurately reflect my management of time for today. This was a particular moment in time, Tuesday the 10th of April, and this would have been 2018, as there were no House of Keys due to the Easter break. And he listed his hours and what he'd been doing. Now, in the afternoon of that day, he spent um, about three hours with constituencies, constituents, talking about blue badges, charity, property, planning appeals, and a nursery appeal. Now, that was a very interesting answer because it was precise. It wasn't a subjective assumption, and I feel that our MHKs could adopt that attitude to their workload. And if what Tanya August Hansen and Bill Henderson are saying, they should be prepared to do that. I suppose the the uh, elements that uh, certainly uh, Tanya was 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 uh, focusing on were um, actually there's an awful lot that, of work that needs to go on behind the scenes in terms of understanding how pieces of legislation work, making sure that uh, the public are, are well informed about where legislation comes from. Is it in fact a a unique piece of Manx legislation? Or is it a, a direct lift of a, of a UK uh, piece of legislation, an Irish piece of legislation, whatever it might be? And uh, I, I, I think you've hit a, a really interesting point there as far as legislation is concerned. I think the mover of any legislation in, in, uh, in Keys, where it comes, um, should declare where it's originated from. What is the derivation of this legislation? Because it always... Uh, has intrigued me as to where do these things come from. I don't think they're internally generated. I think they must be probably uh, influenced by what goes on in Westminster. And certainly that's the part of the work anyway that Tanya is uh, suggesting that she's uh, trying to, to, to do in, in Legislative Council and certainly various uh, pieces of legislation I've seen her taking through. She has been very keen to point out where the legislation, uh, where, where it was derived. Um, you, you've been watching legislative debate in uh, House of Keys particularly for, for many, many years. Uh, has it changed? Um, I tend to watch Tinwell debates rather than Keys oh, right. debates. Yeah. Um, and it's getting more and more difficult for me to access live debates. And I would like to see. Um, I, I'm I'm deviating from your question, I know, but um, I would like to see Tinwald webcast. I'd like to see it on TV or hmm. certainly on the computer. I'd like our public to access it. I want to see the body, the, the body language of our politicians. I don't want to just hear it on Manx Radio. Um, I, I just think that would be an interesting development, and probably. Uh, may get more serious consideration. Well, and okay, if we let let's move to Tinwell then. Has has there been a change in the time you've been watching Tinwell in the in the way in which members engage in in debate? Yes, there has. Um, I felt that uh, a few years ago it was very very male dominated. Now there's about an equal presentation of 
females and males. And I think that's, that's really improved the level of debate and the demeanour of the House. And, of course, that's, that's a, a really uh, positive step. Um, is, uh, um, in terms, then, of the... Um, I mean, uh, this is a, a point that I, I regularly uh, raise uh, with Timbrell members. The, 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 the loss of experienced members, because there are now only... I think there's only two members, maybe three members, who've, who've had more than uh, 15 years' experience, and most of them uh, have... have uh, uh, have little more than, than five years' experience. Uh, does experience count for, for anything, do you think, or, or is, is that uh, an, overrated, uh, uh, an overrated thing? Well, at my time of life, I'm bound to say that experience counts, but in terms of a democracy, anybody can stand for Tinwald, should they so desire, as an MHK. With the MLCs, They've just got to be nominated by by an MHK. And I just don't think they can truly represent the public of the Isle of Man in that respect. Most parliaments are p- party political uh, in, in, in terms of their, their makeup. So parties will tend to ensure that there's a good mix of people with experience and uh, people relatively new to politics standing. Uh, so that they will have a, a, a range of uh, of people elected to, to their parliaments. Um, they also have things like, I mean, obviously we've got uh, across the water the House of Lords in uh, Ireland, there's the uh, the upper chambers of the Senate, I think it is, um, where um, they have people with experience specifically put into, into these roles. Um, we don't appear to have that in in Tinwald anymore. I mean, Ledgeco used to be uh, the the home for experienced politicians, but it no longer is. Uh, yes, um, but I think the experience is proportional to the size of the parliament. Remember, we've only got thirty two. Is it thirty two or thirty three voting members? Uh, and one of those is the bishop, but perhaps that'll be a separate program. I don't know. Oh, we've already <laughs> we've had we've had a fair amount of discussion on the bishop. Yes, yes. So um, it could be proportionate. The experience can be proportionate, and um, I have no I have no difficulty with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so then in in terms of the um, the the. Well, the, the government uh, of the day, the, you know, we've, you, you've witnessed several governments in your time uh, w- watching Tinwald. Um, everyone says this is the worst government we've ever had. Um, are they right this time? Or? No, I don't think they're any worse or any better than any other government. What, uh, what seems to, um, to be prevalent in, in any government that I've experienced is the lack of progress within the five years and I think that's to do with there's a very slow start so you have an election in April sorry in September 2021 and it takes them a full year to come out with any sort of program Uh, I, I just think first of all they've got to elect a chief minister and one thing I'd like to just get over to you is that the power is with the people on election day and once election day is gone and they've put their cross on a piece of paper 
their power has gone because what happens then is they elect uh, the uh, the elected members then have to elect our chief minister and that takes some time and then we've got all the committees that have to be elected so i feel that there should be a, a, a bit of revitalization when any new government comes in and i think the next one is 2026 and in terms then of the, the, the Chief Minister, um, I'm sure Positive Action Group has had a view in the past about whether we should have a directly elected Chief Minister or not. Uh, do you have a, a particular stance on that or, or are, are you content with the current system? No, I'm not content with the current system. I, I've got to be consistent. If I'm asking for MLCs to be elected, surely I should be asking for a Chief Minister to be elected. And I've heard all the arguments that uh, the elected MHKs say against having an elected chief minister but I don't think that if we did embark upon that it has to be for the rest of time it can be modified if it doesn't work it can be modified in five years ten years time so I just don't understand the reticence for not having an elected chief minister and yet we, we also have a reticence, uh, certainly over the last 10, maybe even 20 years, to do anything by way of significant constitutional reform reform of, of the parliamentary uh, processes. Uh, Lord Lisvane came back with a, a, a set of recommendations, most of which have been uh, ignored and uh, placed on that dusty shelf of, of many a Tynwald report. I wondered when you were going to raise Lisvane, uh, yes, it, it was a bit of a damp squib, and squib, uh, I just feel that, that there needs to be some impetus within the system, and uh, I thought I had hoped that Liz Vane would do it, but it didn't work, unfortunately. To a certain extent, this was back to um, an inexperienced Tinwald uh, being given the report and possibly being led by the few experienced members that were left suggesting if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Do you think the system is broke? Oh, no, I'm not saying the system is broke. And that's the nature of our democratic system where a few members, you say, persuaded the others. Well, that's the strength of argument, and that's what politics is. It's about argument. I'm trying to get my argument across to you that MLCs, prompted by your programme, uh, MLCs um, don't have as much work to do as MHKs, and that MLCs should be elected by the people. Do you think that's ever going to happen? I don't think so in my lifetime, no. But... Uh, I only wish it would, because that would be a real sig significant development as far as our democracy is concerned. Do you think the Manx public um, really are bothered about any of this sort of thing, you know, the constitutional reform? Um, do you think that they, they get the importance of this? Um, I think they'd be interested once it has happened or was underway, but until that ha that uh, occurs, I can't see that they are interested now. So are you optimistic uh, that uh, the remaining uh, three years of this uh, current House of Keys we're going to see any significant change? No, I'm not optimistic at all. Uh, it's glass half full, I think, and I don't know which way that glass is going to be eventually uh, reveal itself. Whilst the politicians dictate how they operate 
it's really difficult to get any change. That was Positive Action Group founder Roger Tomlinson. Are you convinced that we need reform of our political institutions or are you content with what we've got? I've certainly taken on board Roger's must-try-harder message for future interviews. Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Gone Thanks for listening. <laughs>